Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. These panels have been made possible thanks to Double Exposure and their game design convention Metatopia at Metatopia Online 2020. These panels have also been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and moderators at this event. Now, let's get to it. Episode 290 Tactile Games Waiting to Touch Things Again. Presented by Abraham Yosef Bass, Bronwyn Sperling, and Emily Kerr Boss. Welcome. This is uh, Tactile Games, Waiting to Touch Things Again. Uh, we're going to be uh, role-playing, uh, talking about role-playing games that integrate tactile components and mechanics to their games. Um, uh, we'll do some introductions first. My name is Abraham Yosef Baez. I'm a community organizer, game designer. Uh, I was a winner of the 2019 IGDN uh, sponsorship. And I'm currently working on my game called Trapped, a role-playing game remembering the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, which is about labor relations and uses the events of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory as its frame. Uh, the game uses a, a sewing mechanic where players get to collectively work on a swatch of uh, fabric together as they play a game. And um, I'll let my other panelists introduce themselves. Emily, you want to start? Sure. I'm Emily Kerboss of Black and Green Games. Um, I live on the East Coast in the U.S. Um, happy to be here to talk about uh, tactile and sense-oriented uh, mechanics in games. Um, none of my games have depended on it, but I've played a lot of games that do, and I especially love LARP, which has so much embodied element to it that I thought that might be a good thing to talk about today, too. Want to go, Brown? I'm Bronwyn Friesen. Uh, I publish games nominally under the imprint La Petite Moro Games. Um, something I'm working on right now is uh, it, I'm calling it How Humans Do It, A Martian's Guide to Human Sexual Reproductive Practices. Um, and uh, it's, it's fairly relevant to the topic of, uh, of today's conversation. So, Great. Um, no. I'm being told my video froze. Let me try to restart it. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so uh, I wanted to first kind of start us off our, our discussion and talking about uh, tactile games by kind of um, dipping into my obsessive academic background and just give ourselves a, a definition. Uh, of what we're looking for and what we're talking about when we when we say tactile game. Uh, for for me, those are are going to be game elements that require the use of either one of your five senses. Um, that there's some kind of component in there, whether you're using your hands to build something, create something, or, or structure something together. You could be using sound. Uh, you could be using a, a smell mechanic. Um, what do you all think of when you? your tactile gaming. <laughs> Thank you. I'll go first. 
hope everybody can hear me. Um, uh, I think the things that come to my mind are the things that are um, uh, beyond dice, because every game has some kind of uh, tactile element that uses dice, or you know, there's a lot of fun things that we use at many games. But it's neat to think about the things that really bring out um, your different senses, um, uh, feathers or, you know, um, a sword or something that calls you into um, being in your body while you're playing. Because a lot of role-playing games are up here, which is wonderful. I love the storytelling aspect of them. And, um, and also it's interesting to bring in um, even imagination of what the world is that you're inhabiting through your storytelling or to like walk it and put on clothes that help you come into it more deeply. Um, there's a, I think, um, something called mask play. Uh, and um, that is sort of a tradition of, of thinking about how you can become something else by putting it on you in, in some kind of representation. Um, so that, that there's sort of these interesting deeper elements of the experience that I love about the sensual and tactile parts of play. Is it for me? Yeah, yeah. For for me, it's it's very much similar. It's the it's the integration of of the more embodied experience of the game. Um, whether yeah, the, uh, that's that's integrating scent, integrating touch, integrating food, um, and uh, and and just. Yeah, much more bringing it out of the head and and into your embodied experience. Whether holding hands even is uh, can be such a significant thing in a game. Um, so, yeah, I like I, I I mostly ground both of you tread in yeah, in your explanations. So my thinking uh, was I was kind of wondering what you all think about um, like all of those are great examples of 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 there. But as we're all kind of speaking about it, I also too I kind of love the emotional aspects that come out of playing a role-playing game, which a lot of it, it does exist within, within our own heads and, and, and how those emotions start. But um, where, where do you think, like, why use them? Um, I know for, for a lot of games, uh, when there is kind of, this could be a philosophy of game designing, which you want to kind of minimize the amount of stuff that you have to have people doing or messing with or getting or gathering. And a lot of that could become very limiting to someone who's not able to gather all those resources and things. So um, I'm kind of wanting to think about like the the use of them and, and why we would add them in game. Uh, so do you like to go first? From? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, so I come from a, a very oral storytelling and uh, and dramaturgical tradition, much more than like before I get to to gaming. And, uh, and, and like in both of those, um, I've been very encouraged to use my body much more, even, even just doing uh, like uh, either through mime or uh, through grabbing things that are around in the middle of the story to, to really communicate an idea and to get into the idea more. Our, our bodies and our brains are, are not in any way separate, right? Like there's there is a feedback loop when you are when you are engaging with a thing in here and engaging with a thing with your body, that uh, that they they both feed into one another by 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 touching a thing, even if it's even if it's just a vague representation of the thing you're thinking of, you form a, a, a different connection than than just thinking. If I'm if I'm 
audiating music, just thinking of a, of a t tune in my head and playing a tune at the same time, complementing that thing in my head, I'm getting a different experience than if I was just talking about the tune and audiating it in my head. So if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Amy, uh, Emily, do you want to add anything? Sure. Um, I, I, for a long time, I had this amazing experience of being able to have, as one of my regular gaming groups, um, uh, the children of my best friends. And we played pretend for years. Um, and I was really, really grateful to be invited into that circle. And eventually everyone grows out of it. But, um, but was something that I loved about being in the imaginative space with them was that even though we were imagining, it was always very like physical. So we would, you know, be inside or outside and they'd be like wandering around, jumping up and down on the bed or climbing a tree or, and it just brought me back to the way that our bodies are part of our, our thinking and our feeling. Um, I heard recently that it helps your memory if you move around or you walk while you're thinking about something. <laughs> and I, I think for me, also, even game design, like when I'm in motion, I find that something about that clicks things into place. So I just feel like uh, there's there's elements of our of integrating our sense experience into our play and mind experience that can enrich both. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel also like there's there's an aspect of of tactile gaming uh, having mechanics that support that that create. Um, strong feelings of pacing, uh, whether you want to make it like a lot more intense or if you want to relax it, you can you can kind of gauge that by having slightly more uh, involved mechanical aspects of it, something that you actually have to kind of think a little bit about to do. Or if you want it to like, I'm thinking of, of immediately of like the game like Dread and Starcrossed, like using the Jenga tower or the something like the block towers to uh, like kind of create an emotional experience uh, that supports the feeling of the game. And I, and I feel a lot of tactile gaming mechanics can help and support that. Uh, those are two examples that I was thinking of. Uh, also things like um, the candles and like 10 candles. Uh, that, is, that is a great one that like helps to enhance the feeling of um, the actual gameplay and the tone and the mood that you're trying to get um, from that. Should we talk um, about examples of games? Sure, I would love to hear. <laughs> I've got a couple in mind too, Dread and, and Starcrossed and Time Candles were on my list. So, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, just to, to, to add a little bit of what you, you were talking about, um, the, the falling of the, the power in games that use Jenga or uh, tumbling blocks, um, it, it really, it helps align your, your human experience with the, the genre or the, of the, whether it's horror or the um, suspense of whether something will go right or wrong in a love affair. Um, it, it's neat how you can have this little like hint of that deeper experience by, you know, be, how we invest ourselves in whether this tower falls or not. Um, and the same with 10 candles too. It, it, it's this interesting. I haven't played the game. I've watched it be played a little bit. Um, and it's just this deeply immersive aspect of being in a room and having the darkness 
descend upon you and the, the game is, you know, things are going wrong for the characters and they're having these intense experiences with one another and it sort of brings you into this smaller and smaller space. Um, and it's really neat to be able to sculpt the emotional experience through the, the physical um, experience as well. Um, and there were a couple of other games that I wanted to talk about. Um, um, there, and I'll talk about LARPs. Um, there was a, a game done a long time ago now, I'm not quite sure of the year, in uh, Sweden, I believe it was held, um, Between Heaven and Sky, which was um, held for several days, and it was one where people went and stayed. Um, <clears throat> so they slept overnight for you know, multiple days and were in character for all that time. Um, and there were a few things that I thought were interesting to talk about in terms of like physicality of play. Um, and, you know, sleeping in character is one of the things that they did where, I mean, you know, you don't, you can't control your dreams, but like that, the space of sleeping was still in the character role. And you know, obviously you could leave if you needed to, or take a break or whatever, but to have that sort of allocate, you know, that you're just allowing yourself to like rest in character and then wake in character is pretty profound. Um, and they changed the light cycles. It was held in a theater where they had control of the whole environment. So there were 18 hour days. So if, if it took three or four days, there were more than that within the game space. Um, so that, that's taxing on the players. You know, that, that means that you're switching your circadian um, cycle based on the changing light that they you're using in this theater space, but also how profound and interesting and, and pulling you into that other world um, and that this was a game that was I think highly inspired by books like ones by uh, like um, uh, the left end of darkness or, or game um, stories by Ursula Le Guin that had a, a um, critical or, or alternate look at genders and so this was one that was um, proposing different genders in this world there were morning people and evening people I think is how it was framed and um, and there were um, you know, alternate family structures. I think there were pair bonds of four rather than two. Um, and a lot of the play revolved around marriages and bonds and um, relationships. So um, those were represented by, uh, the, the genders were represented by costumes that people could wear that reflected the groups that they were part of. So these were all interesting ways to bring people in to, to really allow you to step out from our um, traditionally socially constructed ideas about identity and to enter another one for a long period of time. Um, and this game also um, was one that originated um, a set of mechanics used to simulate sexual activity that the guard uh, Ars Amandi, which the, the people who made it um, sort of look at it in parallel to things like um, buffers uh, for, for violence. You know, if you can have violence that is symbolic, it doesn't actually hurt anyone, but gives you a physical experience. This was something that it's non-sexual contact, but that is physical and can be used as a metaphor um, through touching you know, um, body parts that don't have sexual connotations to help someone feel as though they've had a body experience in that part of that fictional play. So, so I'll pass the... the talking on to someone else <laughs> uh, we actually have a question oh. um, do you all have any thoughts or experience with tactile gaming elements and online play given the pandemic has reduced in-person play 
Uh, as an example, the person asking the question says they have a friend who lights candles when they play specific games to give a specific environmental mm -hmm. sense. Um, I don't have too many. Uh, one one thought I had was, um, and I, I've had this done in different games that I've played in, uh, in which people created kind of a soundtrack uh, for the game. So there would be specific music that would be playing around in the background. Um, definitely has been a lot tougher playing games like this during the pandemic, that is for sure. But that's the only, that's the only one that I could come, that I've, had come to mind at this point in time is, is like uh, uh, like some kind of music that you can share. Do you have something to share, Bronwyn, or should I go? Go ahead. I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of a thing. Interesting. Um, a long time ago at um, Gen Con, I remember seeing a booth that was selling scents for gaming. And me and my husband spent a long time sniffing things. And it was like, you know, musty dungeon room or strawberry fields or something. And um, uh, I kind of wish I had those now. Um, it'd be great to have something that you could <clears throat> have multiple people have and open it up at the same time. Um, and there were little plastic round boxes that had maybe a sponge or something in it that had a scented liquid and, and um, I don't, haven't done that, but um, um, the gaming that I've done mostly hasn't had too much of a, con a physical um, component. Mostly it's been talking play, but um, I, I can see using scent as a something that could transcend if people can have the same or, you know, if you're not allergic to it, light incense or have um, a spray of some sort. Um, and uh, I think what was neat about that that set of them, the commercially available scents at Gen Con was that they were intended, they were like sculpted for, for gaming play. So they had like thematic, you know, things like a dungeon room or something that, that someone had thought about what that would smell like and then sort of went through the, the trouble of creating this curated smell for it. I have no idea what the company name was, but um, maybe they'll come into vogue. <laughs> uh, so I, I haven't actually been able to remember the name of the game I was thinking of for this, um, but uh, just to give it a general description of how it plays is uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a LARP played via text messenger. Um, there's a uh, What's what's happening is everybody is hiding in their closets from the alien invasion, uh, texting with each other whoever they have the contact information for, um, and the organizer plays like a somebody who's trying to coordinate help or resistance and linking people together and may or may not be evil. Um, I can't remember. The, do either of you know what I'm talking about or no? Okay, whatever. No. Cool. Uh, but yeah, so like it, it's very like it, it, oh, losing my words. Uh, it's 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 very tactile and very Im uh, embodying because you are literally hiding in your closet, um, <laughs> and if you have one, or assembling a closet out of something to make a closet, and 
you are like, a, I mean, you're texting with people, but you're actually doing the act of, of communicating with distant people who are not in your house or anything like that and doing it very diegetically. And I find that I, like, it, was, it was so very cool. We actually did it once uh, out camping where pe- we had people just hiding in their tents and uh, we got to, again, bring in other kind of tactile elements like uh, as aliens are walking by, walking by their tent and making stomping noises or running tree branches against the side, the tarps of their tents and, uh, and all kinds of great tactile stuff. Like we actually picked up somebody's tent and moved them. (laughs) And uh, that was, that was wild. Um, But yeah, so it's, that's that. I, I, I really hope the name of this thing comes to me because I'd like to bring it up. But anyway, yeah, that's, one of the most interesting tactile LARPing experiences that I think follows from this question here. So Our agenda I, we had as to, to talk about games that we've seen new ones that relate to that. So if we get to that, I'll, I've got a couple to add there. Okay, great. Um, so um, uh, I, was, I was also wondering, based, on, based off of this and, and that idea, um, obviously, there's a lot of times where uh, it's just tactile gaming is is not going to work. It's just not going to happen. Um, do do the thing that I think of though before kind of the the places where it doesn't happen, and I think that is some a major thing to consider while designing a game is like what does the like how does this tool relate back to the game? Uh, and and I do think a success of a of a tactile game is that you really can't play it without that function because then it's it's then it just kind of seems to be an add-on. Uh, oh, I'm going to be a little cruel to mini- games that use miniatures a little bit, um, but um, not that I, I, I do kind of like them, but I just feel that it never really added anything to me. Uh, it never really improved the experience of gaming to to certain extent. But it might have been my fault for not playing something that really needed the the visual aspects of it. But um, but the one thing that I, I see as a as a danger, uh, something that uh, that a designer has to keep in mind is who are you limiting and what are you limiting when you're adding aspects. Uh, there there are going to be things in which um, certain ableism issues are going are going to happen, uh, like ten people uh, actually do this. Let's say someone is allergic to most of the scents that exist, you know, we are excluding these things. Um, Does anyone have any other ideas or want to talk about any things where they think tactile gaming fails or things to keep in mind to make sure that people can succeed when designing games? I, just to talk about Dread, since that had come up, um, uh, that's a game that my husband um, designed and published with friends. And um, it um, was definitely a thought like, that this game is a game that everybody could participate in all the elements of, necessarily. So they included alternate mechanics that didn't require a, um, a tower. Um, and... And one of the ways I think people have done that also is to designate someone else to be the person who pulls. But um, I think it's really important when you're designing to, to think about alternate pathways 
if there's something that um, is central that um, would be a barrier for people. Um, oh, and to speak to the, the miniatures thing, one of my favorite miniatures games is called Mobile Frame Zero. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, have you played it? It's, it's tiny little mecha robots that are made out of uh, Legos. And it's, I, I like it a lot because the, the mechanics actually bring in so much of the terrain that, and the, that it feels like um, your choices matter in terms of being a mecha and having range. So it, it's, it's well done. But I am a person, unlike some of the folks who designed it, who has a, if, if you looked at my character sheet, there would be a zero under making things with Lego. <laughs> 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 uh, or maybe a negative, maybe. Um, <laughs> I'm good at breaking them too. Um, so <laughs> although I love playing the game. I really am bad at making the robots. So um, I begged for my friends to make them for me. And then, but the great thing is that part of the, the design is that you break apart them as like, if you lose a leg, then you can like pull the leg off the Lego thing and toss it around as, 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 as debris on the field. So that I could do. I was able to do <laughs> Um, and obviously things that they did to overcome that were to provide models, you know, and, and recipes for creating some nice, you know, robots that people could use. So, and, um, but then also you have to buy those components and, you know, you have to be able to, um, you know, just be prepared to commit as you design to uh, finding ways for people to do the tasks that you're asking them to do if you're including something that's above and beyond. Sat there. Yeah, and uh, so certainly accessibility in uh, in tactile mm -hmm. games has a lot of pitfalls. Because uh, I mean, there's there's the old inclusivity adage of like anything you do to include someone will exclude someone else. Um, like especially when you're when when I've been put in a role where I'm designing spaces for my fellow autistics. I have to make a lot of choices as to what the main space of the event is going to include, whether that's going to be the, uh, a sound low space or a, a high sound space. And that includes and excludes different aut uh, autistics in my circles. And so that really plays into where I'm thinking when, uh, when I'm thinking about this question here is, is you know, any, anything you do to include someone will exclude someone else. And that's a hard, hard problem. And so, yeah, having alternatives is always, of course, the, the best solution there. Um, there are tactile games that involve eye contact, which can be very difficult for anybody who has difficulty maintaining eye contact, as well as lots of visually impaired people, uh, blind people as well. Um, I, uh, and having something that can sub in for that would be a very handy thing. I'm not sure how to navigate that problem myself, but... Um, uh, it would it would really depend on context uh, or uh, games where you hold hands or anything that involves like Arzamandi and people who are touch averse, um, or for that matter, people who uh, are are uh, have amputated or uh, absent arms, for example, would uh, would find that challenging and could use some kind of an accommodation of some kind, uh, and yeah, like. That's that. That is just the the essential thing. There is that anything anything you include will exclude somebody, and you have to think about that. Yeah, definitely. And I think just just like in anything, when designing a game, your 
your your focus is to to make some all the the parts of it kind of make sense you know all of these things come together to support the experience you're trying to give to the people who are playing it and really just making sure that if you're adding this component in there it matters for the game it achieves your goals for that game experience um and it's not just something that like oh this looks cool could be fun uh, and i think that's a very important thing for game designers to focus on when deciding uh, about most of the things in their games, but especially with tactile objects that could be excluding people. So there's actually a, a second question that was asked while you were answering that first one that I think you kind of touched on on your answer, so I'm not sure if you're good with that, but I'll ask it, and if you think it needs more, please go into it. What are your thoughts on how to design games that include physically constructing items during gameplay? Yeah, um, de definitely something to keep in mind. Like, like I mentioned, that it really, really have to ask yourself: Is this the kind of the the um, the main purpose of the game? Does this really enhance the experience of this game? If this thing was not there, would this game still be the same? And and as as you all mentioned before, is, is the importance of offering alternatives to play and thinking about those alternatives in play. Um, I like I have one tiny little game that is. Um, uh, I had this one uh, tiny little game that is about telling your parents that you married a that you've summoned and, and you're planning to marry a demon. Uh, and in that game, there is a component in which you stack dice uh, as, as part of the play. And depending if it falls or something like that, that means something. But I wrote in a thing like, well, what if my family just doesn't want to stack? And we're just not doing that. And, and having that as an option for them. So it's always about building in other alternatives, but also realizing what your current game design plans actually achieve emotionally or, or mechanically for the game. Y'all have anything to add on that point? Um, just to say that I think what you said before about making sure that it is a really important element is, is, is what's key. You know, if, is it worth it? Um, uh, someone I knew wrote uh, a LARP that's called Scrapbook. And it was about connecting with a child's memories and color was an element as well. So that um, it was sort of going from pink to gray in terms of emotional connection and positive and negative feelings. So all of those things were very thematic and very matched to the characters and matched to the kind of contemplative play that they wanted. So I think that that was really worth it. It, was, it made a whole complete concept and it gave people really strong experiences um so so yeah if you're if you're gonna create something that asks something of people then hopefully it's part of something that'll be worthwhile overcoming the barriers yeah i think uh just waiting to see if uh, Bronwyn is going to unmute. Or... 
Oh, you're, you're there I lost the chat for a second there. Um, no, I think that those, uh, those, you two both covered that uh, subject fairly well. Like that's, I, I don't think I have anything to add. Um, okay, so uh, kind of going back to, we, we started speaking about this with the question, but um, we are in this pandemic and um, tactile gaming is very difficult. Uh, one of the reasons I'm happy to be doing this panel with you all is I am a little sad about not being able to to get together and to be able to do things again. Uh, uh, so I, I kind of want to know, did have you all tried to run a game specifically that had tactile mechanics within it and did it work? Did you did you adapt it? Uh, personally, I gave up. <laughs> yeah, no. I uh video like anything video chat or uh or uh synchronous text is 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 very difficult for me to engage in with games. Um, I've tried playing a few that don't have tactile elements and uh, and they're they're not they weren't landing for me at all. And that's 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 a hard thing. Um, which means I've basically been pretty dry of gaming for the last I don't know what is it since six years since March is it or I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah no that's it's it's a I feel everyone who feels it's a hard problem. <laughs> I've been able to do some board gaming, card gaming, through um, at least, I'm sure there's many portals, but the one I've used is Board Game Arena. And there's just a few friends who will get together and role play. And then when that's done, we do a wind down of a card game. I don't know why that, that works, but it does. Um, and mostly that's been okay. I, I find it disengaging, you know, because I can't see the people around me. And, it, oh, being on a computer, I mean, that, you know, like, oh, I could just check Twitter for a moment. So, it, it, you know, I have to, like, get myself to go back and do it. Um, and I do miss the physical elements of board games and card games. It's really, really important, beautiful and gorgeous. And we're in this lavish golden age of them at this moment in time, too. So, um, but but that, that, I think just that, being able to actually engage in the activity works fairly well, um, but it's not deeply physical. You know, it's more just like that's the elements of play and okay, we can just put them on the computer and automate it and that works pretty well. Um, but um, uh, um, I was thinking actually that there is one, one mechanic that I included as an optional thing in the, my romance trilogy that I, maybe I should try sometime. Um, and it's, it came out of a playtest that friends and I did in, in the world. There was this thing that people did called fizzing, which was if they were just out of sync with one another, they would do something physical together to like align themselves. You know, it might be sports, it might be, you know, you know, sewing, you know, whatever it was just to like bring them in. So in the romance trilogy, it's an optional mechanic that is used in some games where like, if you need a break or something to like sort of create a sense of cohesion, you can do some physical thing that everyone's doing together and just sort of like bring you into center. And it's hard to do that online, but I've been dancing with a friend and just sort of swaying back and forth. And we, we've been able to actually have that sense of physical connection because it's visual. We, if we're aligning our movements, it allows us to feel like we're more together than if we're just looking at each other like this. So I think I might try that if, if the, the opportunity arises 
um, but I have not yet. Um, so I wanted to uh, also ask, um, is, is there something that you're particularly hopeful for uh, for the future after kind of pandemic wise, like something you're really looking forward to, like when, when we all can, can be back together again, uh, what's like your first thing you would like to like grab for? Gosh. <laughs> it seems so tantalizing. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think as soon as like it, it, it makes uh, health sense to do so, I'd really, I, I want, I want a very full contact LARP ASAP. <laughs> um, <laughs> something, something that I can really sink into for like I don't know eight hours, please. Um, I want it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do some searching because I need something like that. But uh, <laughs> clearly I'm going to be dreaming for like, I don't know what, the next 18 months or something. I don't fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, for some reason, I've been thinking a lot about like cups and drinking and like, like filling people's cups and things like that. And for some reason, like I, I just want to do a game in which that specific mechanic in which you get to like pour into other people's cups and I don't know, maybe we'll have a cup half full, cup half empty kind of joke in there. Um, but like, I don't <laughs> know, that, that's, that, that's been the thing I've been thinking about. We haven't talked about food much, actually. Yeah. And that's sort of a huge sense, sense experience. Um, and there, um, cat, um, Pat Jones wrote a game for the um, uh, Love and Resistance collection of, of games. Uh, it's a, it's a live action, and, and you're you're it's a, about community, and you're having a potluck, and that just feels like something that would be great to do, <laughs> where we where maybe you could pull that out and play about being together and communicating and sharing food and you know communing together. So that would be something I'd love to pull out. Yeah, food-related games would be great. I, uh, I, I remember uh, one game titled uh, Mashed Potato Mountains and Pea Soup Seas that I, uh, that I saw. Yeah, and, uh, and that would be a very fun thing to get together with people and play where we, uh, where we explore each other's lands that are made of food as, uh, as, a, as a group of gathered people. Um, but uh, actually, uh, another idea just came to me now that for something that would feel very fulfilling once I can actually get together with people again, and that would be just like playstorming some kind of game where where we um, where it results in what amounts to a musical jam session because I've been really getting into music since uh, since <sighs> April and playing piano, so that's that's another interest I'd like to fold in that would really benefit from an in person connection. It's so frustrating that online, which is so about sound and visual, doesn't work for music almost at all because of the lag. It is so frustrating. <laughs> have you seen anything with like visuals like that have been working well? So thinking that's a possibility of something that you can like pop up or 
show pictures, draw pictures, kind of collectively online. Um, the Golden Cobra um, challenge that just wrapped up recently, the words were announced right before Metatopia. One of the games is called the Bat Cave, and you use it on Zoom and you, on some platforms, I'm not sure, I think it's Zoom, you could switch it so that you're upside down. So you're all pretending that you're bats in a cave <laughs> upside down. <laughs> Amazing. And I haven't played it yet, but I've heard the people who have said it just, it's very effective. It's so simple. And yet there you are, you're a bat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to, I need to disappear to take care of the children for just a sec. I'll be right back. Okay. No problem. Um, and uh, I'm wondering, was there ever like a, um, a gaming mechanic, a tactile gaming mechanic you you've seen that you enjoy more often than others. I, I really enjoy Ten Candles, especially because I like the lighting. I like the smell of the smoke as, as like the candles come off and just being in the darkness. Um, I really enjoy that as, as a specific tactile mechanic that I experience. Um, is there something that you like a go a go to uh, emotional or tactile experience you you want to see more of? I suppose. Uh, yeah, more Golden Cobra games. One of them <laughs> is called the Crow Funeral, and it's wonderful because you're playing crows and a crow has died, and you're just all trying to figure out to convince each other what happened and then what you should do from there and to honor this fallen crow. And one of the things that you do is you fly, and so you just like around flapping your wings and it was written um some of the the earlier incarnations of gold cobra were to try and help create games that could be played in non-standard spaces because a lot of times we'd be at conventions and you wouldn't have like a a room you could dedicate to a live action game so can it be played outside can it be played in a hall can it move around and so this one you just like gather in a little huddle and then you go fly around and <laughs> gather in a little huddle so it, it's it sort of fits in a lot of spaces, but just that feeling of pretending to fly, it's so silly and it, it, it's so, but it's so light and yet it's just really freeing, you know, and it, it's, it's gorgeous to just be like, and another one. Go ahead. Hello. Just one quick more one that I really love. It's another golden Cobra game. And this is the golden Cobra challenge, golden Cobra.org. And, .org, and this one is called um, Still Life. And we read it when we were judging it and we're like, oh my God, you play rocks? You're rocks. You're literally rocks. And laughed and we're like, oh, this is fabulous. This sounds great. Who knows if it's playable? That is one of the most played games I have ever seen. You can work for so many, you know, you can have as many or as few people as you want. Everybody picks what rock they are and they have like some existential question that they're pondering. And then there's people who are the GMs who move you around like, oh, a wind blows you or, or you're, you're in a stream and you get rolled downstream and now you're next to this like slate and you're gold. So now talk. And it just, it's, it's very, you know, still in a lot of ways and it just, it upends your expectations. And because you're, you're, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have like external elements of physicality, but it, it, it put, places you in a different way than you normally would be in a game. And so it's just fascinating and different and yeah, really eye-opening. 
there was a question. Are there any games without tactile elements that you wish did have them? Good question. <sighs> I'm drawing a blank right now. I would like to find out some kind of a like a solid tactile element for Monster Hearts. Mm. Um, because like whether it's whether it's actually dancing because you're at the prom or something, like I I feel it would it would really help enmesh you in the in the situation, having some kind of a tactile element there, although it's already such an engagement. Um, one of the games I meant to mention as an example today was um, Teen Witch by Avery Elder, um, which has been gathered as part of, sorry, I've got the link here somewhere, Variations on Your Body, which, you know, you can find it buried without ceremony. And um, um, Teen Witch is the one I'm the most familiar with, and it's envisioning yourself. It's a solo play game, and you go through a, a variety of rituals where you're just getting in touch with um yourself as a, a young girl who's who's a witch and you know it has a lot of physical um central like maybe it does have you know having smells or incense or something you burn or you have food or you touch things or have drink and um i think of it as being a very um uh embodied experience and so i could i can almost see something along those lines with monster hearts i mean it's also again uh, it's a game about younger people and people in teen transitional periods in their lives and changing and identity and um yeah it, it seems like there's a lot of rich field there for people to to explore and put into place yeah teen witch is a very intensely physical game it was it, like i can say it was definitely very foundational to me figuring out my gender stuff so that's kind of cool to say um but it's it, it very much absolutely gets you into that space through physical and uh, and other other additional senses beyond just like i am thinking about this thing do we have another question Nope, you have answered all the questions. Okay. All the current questions. <laughs> um, as we're, we're getting a little closer to the end of our time, so is, is there any other topic that you that all want to touch on before you wrap out, or something, some specific thing we, we kind of missed? There is a very broad range of, of uh, topics and things that we could talk about. Um, I, I heard of a game. I think it was it was that you play as like werewolves and like you use scent in a specific way, but I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> um, that's uh, that's that's mine and uh, and Mo Turkington's game Umbra. Really? Okay. Oh, wow. I'm glad I mentioned it. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> it was it was a whole thing for sure. Yeah. Uh, it it was so much. It was so much more complete an experience than we thought it was going into it, especially since we largely brainstormed what we were going to do at Metatopia. And what was like, where, where did that come from? Like, designing that aspect? Of uh, 
so yeah, we, we, we just started with the idea of wanting to do something with werewolves together. And, uh, and then we kept rolling a ball back and forth with us about, uh, about wanting it to be, you know, not, not like the very hyper-masculine, aggressive, running around killing things werewolves. We wanted to maybe make the being human a, a weird part of the experience. And so we were like, well, they're, they're, they're wolves who occasionally awkwardly turn into humans. And uh, we don't want them talking to each other because that's just going to make the human part less awkward. So uh, we need to come up with something else. We need the, well, Let's get them smelling each other. <laughs> and so, yeah, what, what, uh, what we ended up doing was uh, we, we got everybody to pick uh, an, uh, an essential oil that was, that was their smell. And we got them to put it on a, on a little piece of felt that they, they wore on their wrist. And... Uh, you would explore your wolf character in relation to your scent because like what what does a wolf that smells like this act like what do they feel like and then they'd smell each other's scents and start to form relationships what's my relationship with this person's scent how does my scent intermingle with theirs and uh that people really got the heck into it as well <laughs> uh so we just got one more question Suppose someone wants to commercially release a game and ship it to stores. What sort of tactile elements are practical in that context, especially without breaking your budget or bank? Um, it seems like fabric and feathers and, um, you know, there's a lot of bits and pieces that you could get in large quantity so they'd be fairly inexpensive that could be incorporated as game pieces um i mean counters and cards and and meatballs those are the most common that we see uh felt might be something that would work um ball of magic the the amazing scroll that's a part of that game it, it becomes sort of an experience of you know even though it's, it's a game board but it's it's a little bit more than that um but it does seem like there might be things that one could explore. I'm thinking about the Lego use in um, Mobile Prime Zero. Um, maybe there'd be game components or chips or something like that. Um, so things like come to my mind. Yeah, especially if you don't want to break the bank. Uh, that, that last part is the hard part. And you want to go with as light of, of tactile elements as possible. Nothing like You don't want to give people a, a, a small cube of lead, for example, that's important to gameplay. Um, which, I mean, now I want to do that, but <laughs> rare earth magnets, right? Yeah, First thing you need to do get a rare earth magnet. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it definitely becomes very tricky when you're trying to like give this over. Um, and I think another thing that um, is when you're choosing to design a game like this, the importance of explaining. How do you find the stuff that's in your game? Uh, because even if you do, you are able to sell a package. That package, once used, if it's there's potential that it, that's it. You used it up. You lost something from it. So um, resourcing and finding the the mechanical pieces of your tactile game is very important. So when writing your rules and your instructions, I like you need to have kind of a list. Like this is where you can find these things. This is what you're looking for. Um, even with essential oils, like, you know, they could be something, just give people a, an idea of where to start and what to look mm -hmm. for. Yeah. Um, Thank you. 
yeah, there's this uh, there's this escape room game that I have that has exactly five plays in it because uh, you like you can each time you play it, there's this piece that you have to burn in order to get the clue, and so every time you do that, you have to repackage the next one for the next group of people that plays it, and it comes with five, so five turns, and I you know then go and uh, and go to whatever specialty store to replace the stuff, I guess. Um, so like, uh, for, for making the, the more tactile elements accessible, uh, like a, a road to go with that would be to, um, instead of packaging tactile elements, get people to engage in their own space and find tactile things that fit descriptions or, or vague, uh, textural clues, um, something red, something bumpy. Um, there was a game I had wanted to mention um, that sort of fits with, with that concept, too. It's, it's also in the current round of Golden Cobra games, and it's called The Bathhouse by Ray England. And um, everyone plays remotely um, by phone, and then eventually you're, you're playing friends who haven't seen each other for a while, and you're going to a bathhouse together. So you have visual while you're going to with each other while you're going to the house, and then you turn off your visual so it can just be sound. And everyone's in their own bathroom and they're taking a bath. And, that, you know, I can imagine that being something that's very, um, you know, you can make of it what you will. You could bring a lot to it. You could have it, you know, be very simple. But you could have candles or, or bath scents or whatever you want. Um, and, and the again, the, uh, the stages of it are aligned with the emotions of it as well. That as you get into the water, you're getting deeper into your connection with your friends that you haven't seen for a long time. So it's interesting to think about the home as uh, the element of play that you can create the environment that you want. Yeah, and I also like um, uh, the idea of, of finding things, finding things within your own home or space or area, and bringing that back to be part of the gameplay. I think it really makes it a very rich experience, and then it kind of takes these things that have memory and and history and just pulls them into your game. And that just kind of becomes, a, I, I love games that kind of have like a, this is the element you have at the end of it. Like you've done this, you have this. Um, so I, I think that's also very fun. So I guess we will wrap up uh, our little chat here. Uh, Y'all want to uh, give a little closing? You want to go first, Brandon? <laughs> I think that's enough. <laughs> okay. I just want to say thank you so much for having this panel. It was really lovely to get to talk about this, and the questions were great. So I'm really happy to have been able to meet and see both of you and to talk about this. Yeah, thank you all. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh Again, yeah, very much. Thank you for uh, for inviting me to be a part of this. It's been uh, it's been fun exploring this topic with you both, and uh, and uh, getting the questions from uh, from others. And uh, it's yeah, it's it's definitely getting more things going in my brain than we're already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, so thank you all. Thank everyone for uh, that has tuned in to watch. Uh, and we'll say goodbye. <laughs>